Hello, and welcome to For the Journey, a podcast offering formation and inspiration to Christians longing for more of God in their lives and in the world. For the Journey is presented by Coracle, a ministry committed to inspiring and enabling people to be the presence of God in the brokenness of the world through spiritual formation for kingdom action. We want to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God so that you can go further into the world with God's loving, healing, redeeming power. For the Journey is a space where each week we hope to help you encounter God and live a more integrated life of faith in the world by offering a regular rhythm of reflections, guided spiritual practices, thoughtful conversations, and more. This week, we offer a chance to encounter God through the scriptures as Adam Taylor guides us through 1 Corinthians 12 and its profound message for our polarized times. Adam is the president of Sojourners and author of A More Perfect Union, a new vision for building the beloved community. This was originally recorded as one of our weekly Space for God devotionals. You can learn more about those in the show notes. And we are grateful for the opportunity to share Adam's wisdom with you in this format. Here's Adam. Good to be with you all. Love that name for this time together. It's Space for God. So certainly hope that God can work in and through me as I try to create some space and enable us to reflect together. I have to kind of tag a title onto this Bible study called Healing the Body. And some of this material does come directly from my new book, The More Perfect Union, A New Vision for Building Beloved Community. And I know our time is limited, so I just want to jump right in and try to dig into one particular text that I've reflected on a lot over the last 20 years. And in particular, I've been reflecting on it in the last couple of years in the midst of our continued struggle in the, in the kind of wilderness of COVID-19. And truth be told, this is a text that has particular meaning for me because I literally preached my kind of inaugural sermon, if you will, my initial sermon way back 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago at Union Baptist Church. And I see Christine here. We were at the Kennedy School around the same time. And Healing the Body was the title of my sermon. And my text was 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm not going to be giving a formal sermon this morning, but I do want to dig into this text and share why I think it's so relevant and timely for not just the struggles we're facing as a nation and as the church in the context of this pandemic, but also in the face of another virus, if you will, which I would call the virus of toxic polarization, which I believe has not only infected our politics, but it's also seeped into the church. And we can learn a lot from the Apostle Paul, who literally wrote a letter to the church at Corinth, who was struggling with many of the same divisions within the overall body of the church itself. And so, first, let me remind us of this text. Hopefully, it's one that's familiar to you. I'm not going to read the whole thing just because of time, but I want to start in verse 12, I'm going to read to about verse 14, and then I'm going to pick up again in verse 21 and read through verse 26. So again, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. 
For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. In this letter, the Apostle Paul offers what I believe is one of the most poignant metaphors in all of Scripture, where he literally compares the health of the church to the health of the human body. And again, I believe this text speaks profoundly to the moment we are in right now, both in the context of the ongoing COVID crisis, but also this crisis that in some ways COVID has exacerbated around polarization within our politics and society and even in the church. I wonder if you have ever really paused to reflect on just how much of a miracle the human body is. I have to admit, I took this for granted for a big proportion of my life. Particularly as a track athlete, I was always in good shape and had a high metabolism. But then about six years ago, as my son, my older son at the time, Joshua, was about five, five years old, we were coming out of church and he wandered in the middle of the street. I saw a car almost hit him and I jumped in the street and pulled him back. And in the process, I ended up throwing out my back. Now, due to my stubbornness, despite a lot of agonizing pain over the course of about two years, it took me two years before my wife convinced me to go to physical therapy. And through physical therapy, I, I, I learned just how interconnected and interdependent the human body is. I learned that in order to heal and protect my back, I had to improve my flexibility, that I had to strengthen the many muscles that support my back, whether it's my glutes or my hamstrings or my core. Well, just like the human body, as described by the Apostle Paul, when one part ends up being hurt, it affects the entire body. This text speaks volumes about what is true for the human body is also true for us. And I believe that Paul provides a timeless roadmap for how we are called to navigate so many of the things that harm and affect the very body of Christ. But to fully understand the breadth and depth of what Paul is offering us, we've got to put Paul's timeless words in their proper context. So let's travel back together in time to the maritime city of Corinth, a city located about 40 miles southwest of Athens. Corinth was known as a city of hedonistic pleasure and ostentatious wealth. But behind this great wealth was also pervasive poverty and a culture that so often neglected and abused the poor. Corinth had literally become a byword for vice. And to make matters worse, Corinthian society was riddled with competitive individualism and idolatry, which had spilled over into relations with, within the church itself. 
feuding groups were built around the personalities and teachings of rival leading figures from different house churches. I know this sounds like nothing like today. Instead of creating unity out of their diversity, the Corinthian church experienced division and rancor. And sadly, we see a similar degree of division and rancor in so much of our politics and even in our faith communities today. The reason I described our current crisis as the crisis of toxic polarization is we have literally reached a point in our country, at least according to polling, that the majority of Americans not only distrust and dislike people of the opposite political party or the opposite political persuasion, the majority now self-report that they actually have contempt toward those people. Instead of seeking to persuade people who disagree with us, we are literally seeing so many of us seeking to defeat them. And, and sadly, tragically, this self-perpetuating vicious cycle of toxic polarization is leading our country to unravel and for so many of us to retreat into our own enclaves and camps. Well, in a similar vein, the Apostle Paul steps into this divided context and provides the church with some tough medicine to treat the church's deep divisions. Yes, Paul provides three timeless prescriptions for how to heal the body and then to restore the kind of right relationship that mirrors God's kingdom reign. So I want to reflect together on these three prescriptions. First, Paul instructs us in verse 22 that those parts of the body that seem to be the weakest are actually the most indispensable. These words capture the central ethic of God's character and God's kingdom, that the weakest among us are actually the most indispensable in the eyes of God. We know and have seen how COVID has preyed upon many of the weakest members of our society, particularly the elderly and people living with underlying health conditions. But it has also seized upon the racial fissures in our society and inequalities in our society. We know that black and brown people have been disproportionately infected and killed by the virus. That's our response, not just to COVID, but to so many of the challenges we face, must also prioritize protecting and caring for the most vulnerable among us. Second, Paul reminds us in verse 25 that the parts should have equal concern for each other. As I mentioned, our country entered in the COVID crisis dangerously divided. And our response to COVID has brought out both our worst demons as well as our better angels. Our better angels were seen when so many first responders and doctors responded with courage and sacrifice, working extremely long hours and putting their own lives at risk. We saw so many churches open up their doors and provide greater support to the hungry and to the homeless. And yet at the same time, we saw this virus capitalize on so many of the divisions within our society, particularly what I would call an ongoing challenge that is both within our politics, but also within the church of what I describe as hyper-individualism and the idolization of personal liberty too often at the expense of the common good. I don't know about you, but I became extremely frustrated with the way in which wearing a mask, particularly early in the epidemic, although it's 
still a controversy today, became such a cultural wedge issue? How did wearing a piece of cloth over our mouths as a way to protect ourselves, and even more importantly, as a way to protect others, become the latest casualty in our polarized politics? I even wrote a article for Sojourners in the first number of months into the pandemic when the, the mass controversy was really coming to a head. And I'm not one to be profane, but I became so filled with moral indignation that I wrote a, an article, which you're happy to look up, that says, for God's sake, wear a damn mask. Again, so much of this epidemic is testing our commitment to be our brothers and sisters keeper. And a public health crisis very much tests our commitment to our interdependence. I learned a lot about the power of interdependence through my experience in South Africa. I had a chance to study abroad there in 1996. And it was a very transformational experience and time in my life. And in that time, I encountered the African philosophy of Ubuntu, Southern African philosophy. Put simply by Archbishop Desmond Tutu, Ubuntu is an understanding that I am because we are. It is a deep understanding of our mutuality, of our interdependence as people and as communities. Ubuntu is a substance and core being of a person, and it speaks to particularly about the fact that we cannot be fully formed as human beings in isolation. I had a chance to learn a great deal of Zulu, most of which I've unfortunately forgotten. But the greeting in Zulu has really been at least one word that has stuck in my memory. The greeting of hello in Zulu is Salbona. And what it literally means is, I see you, my brother and sister. Not only that, but I see the humanity in you. And I would add from a Christian theological lens, I see the divinity in you. I see God's image in you. And the answer is siakona, I am seeing. It is tied into this belief that until we truly see each other, that we cannot be made more fully human. And until we see the image of God in each other, we cannot fully embrace the kind of commitment to the great commandment and to the golden rule that is so much at the heart of the Christian faith. I believe we desperately need a greater commitment to interdependence. And in my book, I describe it in a chapter called Ubuntu or Interdependence, a greater understanding and a commitment to embracing our independence. It is one of the six beatitudes of building the beloved community that I think we so desperately need more of today. Third, and finally, Paul writes in verse 26, that when one part of the body suffers, all parts suffer with it. Dr. Martin Luther King famously did a remix of this text in his famous quote, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. One of my favorite preachers, Dr. Freddie Haynes, did a remix of King's words by saying that in the context of COVID, infection anywhere is a threat of infection everywhere. Again, not just COVID, but our current climate crisis, for example, and the lead up to COP26, the latest round of climate negotiations will be taking place in just a week. We are reminded of just how interdependent and intertwined our lives are. 
And this reminder that when one part of the body suffers and all parts suffer with it is one that we need to hear time and time again. It's one that we need as a nation to hear as we see a pandemic ravage so many parts of the world, literally setting back an agenda called the Sustainable Development Goals by years, if not decades. We need to hear it as we understand that only 3% of people in low-income countries have been able to get access to the COVID vaccine compared to over 50% in higher-income countries. Literally, we are watching before our very eyes what I describe as a COVID or kind of a system of vaccine apartheid where so many of the poorest people in the world are shut out from access to the very vaccines that could prevent infection and could prevent, and more importantly, death. The United States, fortunately, as a government, the Biden administration has pledged to provide 1.2 billion doses to support countries and low, uh, countries around the world that currently lacks access to vaccines. The challenge is that only 200 million of those COVID vaccines have been delivered so far. And so we are in a race against time, not just because of the moral imperative described by Apostle Paul in this text, but also because of the practical one, that the longer we allow so many to become unnecessarily infected from COVID, we know that increases the chances that the virus will mutate potentially into strains that will be resistant to our vaccines. Now, let me go back to my back. I am still struggling with, uh, uh, now I've, I've actually discovered through an MRI that I have a uh, deteriorated disc in my lower back. And what I realized after three years of physical therapy is that over time I started to become overconfident and lazy. I stopped doing the very exercises that helped so much and helped me to avoid re-injuring my back. But as soon as I stopped caring for that weakest part of my body, lo and behold, random kind of things would happen, or maybe not some random, but I would you know, be lifting a box and end up retweaking that injury and setting me back for weeks, if not months. And it was a reminder that when we stop caring for the most vulnerable parts of our society, when we stop embracing our interdependence, that ultimately it ends up harming all of us. 20 years ago, I preached this sermon, Healing the Body, at the height of the global AIDS pandemic when the AIDS crisis was devastating Sub-Saharan Africa. And at that time, I, through kind of my sanctified imagination, I came up with a different acronym for the, the virus HIV, which stands for the Human Immunodeficiency Virus. Because I believe that in God's eyes, through the lens of God, the eyes of God, HIV took on a very different meaning and opportunity. In God's eyes, HIV more represented a responsibility and an opportunity to heal the international village, HIV. Well, in a similar way, if we truly embrace these timeless prescriptions by Paul to protect the weakest members, to have equal concern for each other, to understand and to embrace that when one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. Then COVID also presents us with an historic opportunity to heal and address so many of the inequities and the injustices that this pandemic has exposed and exacerbated. Yes, by protecting the weakest members of our society, 
by showing equal concern for one another, and by embracing our interdependence, I believe that together the church can emerge from this crisis, building and co-creating a radically more just and loving nation and world. So I leave with you that challenge, and I'm anxious to at least spend a couple of minutes hearing your reflections about the Apostle Paul's timeless prescriptions in the context of healing the body. I just open it up. Um, any reflections, reactions, comments? Looks like I see you, Terry. Go for it. I, I just, um, first of all, I love that you brought up I see you. I have never been to South Africa, but I've read a lot of South African li- literature. Thank you. It is a beautiful form of saying hello. But also um, there in, in, in Paul, I think it's important to recognize that he is calling us to dignify what we regard as not having dignity. It's not just that it's valuable and tied in, but also that, you know, our way of thinking about it is inappropriate, that that we are to dignify what were the shameful parts and whatever else. Yeah, and, and thank you for this. It was very, very beautiful. Thanks, sir. That's yeah. a really important point. I agree with that, definitely. I'll just say I really appreciate uh, that text this morning and being called back to it because um, I am not immune to, to you know, not always recognizing all the parts of the body. So it's just a beautiful both conviction and challenge to me to um, stay, uh, well, to keep on trying to be a Christian, frankly, you know, and, and take my cues from that admonition in the scripture as opposed to succumbing to very powerful cultural forces at the moment. So thanks. Speaking about the aversion to face masks, um, I'm not sure what uh, what has happened in the States recently. I, I'm in Canada, but we've had a, a huge backlash against the Islamic community in the in recent past over facial coverings and head coverings and all of that. And it, it I don't want to point fingers, but that sort of radical um, way of pushing back against who is different um, may be the same people who are the anti-maskers. So it's pretty ironic, isn't it? You know, how our humanity is so dis- deceitful against even ourselves that we, we want, one would want to be an anti-masker and at the same time deny a person from another culture uh, covering their face for religious purposes. I just... Just put that out there. Thanks, Karen. So one of my favorite theologians and mystics is Howard Thurman, who deeply impacted Dr. Martin Luther King. And in the book, Jesus and the Disinherited, which I think is just a classic that I wish every Christian would read, (laughs) but um, he describes how there are three hounds of hell that track the disinherited, fear, hatred, and hypocrisy. And I think all three are very much at play throughout our history, but also in this current moment. And I think are kind of fueling some of this polarization that we're seeing show up in so many different ways. You know, this is a time where I'm reminded just how radical the Christ love ethic is. I mean, the call to love our enemies is profound and it's not easy. 
but I think it is desperately needed right now, particularly in our politics, but I think also within our church. And part of loving our enemies is well, see, trying to see their humanity, even if we completely disagree with their point of view, and trying to find where we can find sources of empathy. I mean, I think we're seeing a huge deficit of empathy. And it's very hard to have empathy, particularly for someone who is very different from you, if you have no relationship with them, if you have no connection with them. And one of the you know, crises within the broader crisis we're facing is that we have become increasingly segregated as a, as a society. There's a survey called the American Value Survey that found that 70% of white Americans don't have a single person of color in their close social network. And it's so much easier to demonize and to scapegoat when you aren't in direct relationship with, quote unquote, the other. And yet the, the Christian ethic calls us not just to love our enemies, but also to seek out the other and to seek to build a relationship. Thanks so much for listening to For the Journey. We hope you'll join us again next week. And in the meantime, you can explore past episodes and see what we're up to at inthecoracle.org and on social media at inthecoracle. If you were blessed by what you just heard, please subscribe as we'll be releasing new episodes each week. Please also feel free to rate and review the show and share this episode around with others who might be blessed by it. For the Journey is made possible by the generous support of our Coracle partners, the wonderful men and women who choose to support this ministry through their prayers and financial gifts. If you're one of our partners and are listening, we are so grateful for you. And if you would like to join us as a sustaining partner, you can set up a monthly donation of any amount at inthecoracle.org support. The link is in the show notes. Our growing community of partners gets access to tailor-made resources, gifts, and events, and we would love for you to be a part of that. If you have a question or a topic you'd like for us to take up on the podcast, please email it to us at podcast at inthecoracle.org. You're welcome to type it out, but if you can record yourself asking your question and send us the audio, you may even get to hear yourself on the air. The For the Journey theme song is Mystery Hymn from our friends at Lowland Hum. Please give them a listen wherever you get your music. And so friends, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen, and we will see you on the journey. Let me spend